Hello everyone and welcome to the Circular Thinking Podcast. In this podcast I dive deep into conversations with change makers within the circular economy. This first season focuses on circular fashion, where I interview various key persons where we discuss important topics such as what is sustainability, how is the fashion industry adapting to sustainability and circularity and how can we move forward. In this series I speak to CEO and founders of new circular startups within fashion and textile, consultants helping big fashion brands like Hugo Boss and Salando, and with the Berlin Fashion Week hub Neonit. My name is Marcus, I am the creator and founder of the art collective Mesomats. We are an art collective reusing vintage denim in collaboration with contemporary artists. Let's start the show! Today I meet with Jonah Hegblom from Sweden, a sustainable consultant at Circular Fashion, helping big brands such as Hugo Boss and Salando to smaller local brands at the startup Circular Fashion in Berlin. Together we look into the future, how agile are companies when adapting circularity, design and sustainability, how is it to work with big brands such as Hugo Boss compared to the smaller ones, and we also talk about their Circular ID, which is revolutionizing the fashion industry creating more transparency. She gives her input on future materials and brands, and she also tells us that only 1% of clothing gets recycled. Welcome to the Circular Fashion Podcast, Jonah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for inviting me to your lovely kitchen <laughs> office. <laughs> yeah. It's nice here, it's a bit tiny, but it's yes. a good atmosphere. We were looking for uh, rooms with uh, less echo, so I think this yeah. is this is the best hope. best Let's we hope. could find. And uh, yes, um, Jonna uh, Heigblom yeah. from Sweden. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your background um, and how did you get into circular thinking mm-hmm. and sustainability? Sure, sure. So I originally studied business economics Mm -hmm. with a focus on environmental science and CSR, corporate social responsibility. And then I started to work in the fashion industry of Sweden. I worked for kind of a small brand in e-com and sustainability. And what I realized somehow when I was working there was that I, I was writing about sustainability. I was writing about how to take care of garments, how to influence consumer behavior, how to make smart yeah, decisions mm. in terms of buying. But I got more and more interested in diving deeper and understanding like how our garments actually designed and how can the design of a garment mm. influence a consumer behavior. So like rather than finding the consumers having to teach them how to use garments, I wanted to know how to just make better garments, how to make mm. garments that are yeah, more sustainable. Um, so that led me to do a another degree, a master's degree in Berlin. That's why I'm in Berlin, or that's why I moved to Berlin from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I did a master's degree in sustainability in fashion textiles. So it was very. It was. Was it that technical, like learning about the technical aspects? Of- yeah, it was. It was. I'd say it's half practical, like actually designing, and half theoretical. And the theoretical part included like technical aspects into material science, mm. uh, production, supply chain, but also in terms of like business model innovation and business practices for sustainability marketing. So it was it was quite an interesting degree, like a mix of both. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that some that led you to 
well, thinking more circularly and ending up here at, well, circular fashion. <laughs> it is quite, it describes a little mm. bit what it does, but I think also for people, maybe they need a little bit of background, including myself, to know exactly what, what is circular fashion. Yeah, of course, of course. So circular fashion as the, co- uh, the company and not mm. the concept. <laughs> it's confusing. Right. Uh, but yeah, circular fashion, the company, we're a sustainable design agency mm-hmm. creating product and system innovation for circular economy for fashion and textiles. And what that means in practice is that we're doing two things. Like on one hand, we're doing trainings and workshops and yeah, collection development with fashion brands that want to embrace more circular practices mm-hmm. into their whole business practice. So from selecting material to how to design garments, how to retail them perhaps, how to take them back, how to ensure recycling, reusability of them. Uh, but on the other hand, we are developing a software for circular design and for closed loop recycling. So this software has two parts to it and it has the design software which has, for example, a material library of materials that are validated for future recyclability. So textiles, trims, zippers, buttons, everything a designer needs. Mm-hmm. And we ensure these for recyclability in, in one of the streams. So, for, for example, like a synthetic polyester that is recyclable mm-hmm. or um, a cotton that we can ensure will be taken back by a cellulosic chemical recycler. Okay. And I mean, uh, for someone, how does is it possible to describe the process when you do the evaluation about mm-hmm. how yeah, you take in a sure. brand and, and how you yeah give them the circularity ID? Oh yeah, so the, so the circularity ID is another is another um, um, product of the software. Right. So the circularity ID is itself is a digital identity that is integrated mm-hmm. into Garmin and that holds all material and product specific data that you need to reuse, resell, recycle it. And this is just a small chip? It can your... be a chip. It can also be a thread. It can also be a okay. label. So so what we have developed is like the data set, the data structure for it. Mm. And then we can essentially use any kind of hardware. If it's a QR code, if it's RFID, radio frequency thread, yeah, super cool. If it's NFC, which is a ship. So we're we're testing the different label technologies to see which one is the most efficient for, for customers that should scan it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's, that's one of the use cases. And then, of course, for sorting facilities, if they can, so that they can scan it and efficiently see to which recycler does this garment go. So, yeah, if I could just move back a little, because maybe I went too quick into the technicalities, but... <laughs> No, the good. aim of the circularity ID is to transparently hold the information of the garment that is needed to really ensure recycling at end of life. So material specific information in terms of, yeah, what's the material composition, what's the print stuff that's used, what's the dye stuff that's used, mm-hmm. what's, chemi- what's the chemical password of this textile. Right. So all that information that needs to be accessible by someone further down the line. Right, right. And, and then also being scannable by consumers for them to get information transparently about who made this piece, um, how, how do I use it, how do I take care of it, how can I prolong the use of it, where do I give it right. back at end. 
how do you feel when working with brands, big and small? How is the what is the openness to circular ideas, mm-hmm. circular thinking mm-hmm. from Hugo Boss compared to maybe a small local mm-hmm. brand? What's your experience from that? Yeah, that's interesting because it's it's of course very different in terms of how agile the company is to adapt its practices mm. towards circularity because it circularity, circular design, circular materials, it is new like new processes needs to be in place. For example, just the fact that a brand needs to take back their clothing to actually close the loop. So you yeah. need another business practice in place. Yeah. And for for smaller brands, they are generally more agile in the yeah. way that they can implement these kind of kind of solutions or processes. Uh, but then again, with the big brands, it's super interesting because it's more volume drivers yeah. that or yeah. drivers that they are working with. It's um, yeah, it's maybe financially easier for them somehow mm. to do to do like these big trainings, for example, than a small brand that ha- that mm. has more like price constraints and then yeah it's just they're just facing very different challenges yeah. i'd say what do you say the current state of sustainable fashion the mm. i mean mm. levels of, of awareness and, and uh... i think i think the conversation is definitely happening on so many levels yeah and in of course in so many parts of the world i think since i started working in the industry like four years ago it's grown quite rapidly as well, mm. especially in terms of circularity, I'd say. Now mm. that's kind of a buzzword in the industry, but mm-hmm. but even two years ago or something, it wasn't that strong maybe of a word. No, that, more, I definitely feel like this yeah, is something... And also you can see, I think you can also see that from from like the, the way that there has been more more commitments coming up from big players like global fashion again and their mm. circular fashion commitment so you see this side of things where it's yeah commitments or even like regulations and policies that brands need to comply with mm-hmm. and then of course consumer behavior is changing maybe it's also even more so in berlin i'd say i think in berlin it's a big it's a quite a big industry. It's a small industry as well, but it's, yeah. people are very aware on a very high level, I'd say, yeah, in def- the discussion. Definitely. Um, and what would you say that, well, the, the also we talk about regulations and mm. coming from what is governments and regulations, what is, ne- what is needed to be done there, but mm. also what is needed to be done in the, in the corporate business world. Mm. And from consumers, because these are all important factors, but very different. Yeah, I think what's, yeah, I I completely agree. And I think what's important there is to see what is the, what is the business case for, for circularity and transparency Mm. and sustainability for each of these players. Like what is the business case for a brand? Is it risk mitigation or is it, is it, consumer engagement and brand credibility mm-hmm. so like somehow yeah to understand what is different business cases for these different yeah, I guess each looking at each I mean when you look at each brand for example when you do a workshop it must be each of the brand have their different identity mm-hmm. and maybe the consulting is a little bit different yeah also. yeah absolutely because we work with some more towards like fast fashion yeah. And that have that kind of business model in place that that is dependent on mm. 
like revenues from selling single pieces of clothing and fast yeah. somehow. And then we work with brands that have more slow approach where they have yeah more expensive garments and they sell mm. less of the volume. So it's so they are also facing different Do you then do you follow up on the brands after like a con- after you've been consulting them to mm-hmm. kind of see how they've implemented the models? Yeah, pre- preferably yes, and in many yeah. cases we do that. And But it's also a little bit up to the brand, like what kind yeah. of in what kind of format we do the workshop, and if it's if it's for example uh, with some brands we have like an ongoing support where we have implementation support after mm. some time to see. Okay, how did it go with these design strategies? Are you, did you face any challenges? Was it easy to change materials, for example? Is it is it also you, for example, you create a new income uh, income model for them, where you show them how to it's, how to close the loop? And yeah, I'd say that it's it's very focused on the product design, so. The first stage. Kind yeah, of. kind of the first stage. So, mm-hmm. like, what materials do you choose? How do you design this garment for circularity? But we're also trying to tap into business models mm-hmm. and tapping into like take back policies, right? And reverse logistics. But that's not as strong of a focus on our workshops. But in terms of like circular design and design strategies, um, many of them like designing a garment that is maybe updatable over time where you yeah. as a consumer come come back and re-dye it into new yeah. color next season. Yeah. Like those kind of strategies we are looking into to to really see can we open up new revenue streams. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I find when it comes to like the sharing economy, mm-hmm. I feel it's revolutionized the way we think when we talk about Airbnb, for example. Yeah. And we talk about well you have these electrical bikes everywhere right yeah but when it comes to clothing it feels like that's been a little bit of a Mm. slower process Mm. and the behavior kind of still needs to change or there has to be Mm. a better alternative what's your thought about sharing Mm. textiles and clothing i think it's i think it's absolutely brilliant i think we should should do it more but i think what many brands are facing is that there is really a, a like a challenge in proving future financial viability of those models mm-hmm. um, just to get them going essentially. And then also in the operational complexities that is surrounding those kind of models, like who washes it, how is it, you know, there are some the, yeah, complexities the, yeah. in the quality in operations the, around it mm-hmm. but i think i'm hoping that those kind of models are gaining more 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 of the market yeah uh, because i think like for the fashion industry to become more sustainable it's absolutely essential that we're moving away from having simply one business model of selling new clothing yeah, <laughs> and yeah. to finding new ways of doing it yeah because it kind of promotes uh creativity if you don't have to buy something and then feel i'm a bit tired of this yeah yeah yeah. because we often i think we get tired of things quickly yeah and And it's a way of like satisfying that fast fashion need that of course exists with people uh, or that you want to change you want to update your wardrobe so the wardrobe should not be like a static place of 10 pieces maybe for all people maybe some people want it to be updatable and then we need to find also sustainable ways of doing that do you think the behavior is there in terms of people like in terms of then sharing yeah. or renting yeah, rather, yeah from a consumer I think, perspective I, I think it's still a niche group i think it's also 
challenging to turn consumers over to that kind of model when it's still so so cheap to rent clothing or to buy clothing sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think then yeah it's it's challenge, like mm. that to rent it then you really need or i think this customer is is quite conscious yeah and it would be cool if that model could also target people that just want efficiency or just want new clothing exactly, like if yeah. it would be cheaper and more efficient and convenient like if you like if you would get i don't know a new set of blouses or shirts or whatever but to your home every month in a convenient way yeah. then maybe it would target another customer as well that's kind of a cool idea just like ordering food yeah like a subscription you can get a new that. like update on your wardrobe mm-hmm. should uh, look into that <laughs> and uh, what would you say what are the um, how can you how can you scale as a brand mm-hmm. by applying circular models and circular business models what are the challenges of scaling and growing and remaining so mm-hmm. yeah, sustainable in, in, your, yeah. in your business yeah I, I guess that in terms of yeah in terms of sustainability circularity I think scale is always a very challenging, complex, or it's a challenging concept because yeah. it kind of requires, like, no matter how sustainably sound your clothing is, you still mm. need to sell more clothing next month than last month, mm. uh, just in terms of keeping up and scaling. And I think yeah. that there is where it's crucial to play in, to to use these kind of circular practices where clothing can be sold in other ways. So like rented or mm. shared or reused. Um, so I think, but in, in terms of scaling, circularity on a more like technical design level and like material choice level, mm-hmm. um, I think collaboration could play a big role because we see, we work with quite a bit of like small brands that have a hard time affording more circular or sustainable materials mm. just because the the volumes are so high so i think that can play a key role in like scaling the use of more sustainable materials if they can co-buy them for example yeah yeah definitely um and then i think one of the biggest challenges or and also opportunities but with it is this like operational complexities that needs to be solved in terms of circularity like who takes it back who traces that it gets to the right recycler? Mm. Like there is a lot of supply chain logistics that needs to be in place. That mm. is that is promising today. There are recyclers, there are sorters, there are innovators working on these yeah. solutions. But it needs to just get into more play. Of a, yeah, more of a more of a, more commercial, more commonly used. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like scalable. Scalable. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, because I guess some uh, some some of these new business models are a bit untested. Yeah. And that's why maybe companies then feel they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to invest money if if a repair program doesn't generate income. Yeah, uh, exactly, and I think that is also a key a key challenge to solve and figure out like what is also the business case for using one of these circular models mm-hmm. what is the future financial viability of renting or repairing like what does that give us does mm. it for example using more circular processes in the supply chain can that help us mitigating risk of for example running out of cotton if we handle the cotton more 
yeah, securely. Exactly. So it's also about risk mitigation for brands. Yeah, and I mean, from a capitalistic perspective, it does make sense to create a closed-loop supply chain if you can take back your resources and use them again and sell them yeah. to another customer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it creates a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunities on the way that are not existing today, like... Repairing, exactly. taking back, exactly. sorting... Redesigning, maybe, refurbishing clothing. Yeah. So there are a lot of those, like, untapped jobs as well. Yeah, def- yeah definitely. Do you have any example of, like, would you say a for- forward-thinking fashion brand that you... Uh, also. I think just because we talked about Repair Now, which yeah. is this is not a fashion brand, but I think they are really cool. It's called the Renewal Workshop. And they what they are doing is that they are handling that piece of the pie that is repairing garments for other brands. So they collaborate mm. with brands, take them in and then resell them to mm-hmm. them and repair them, refurbish them, cool. which I think is really cool. And then, of course, like a classic answer in this context, I'd say, but Patagonia. Yeah, they're very like forward. <laughs> yeah, I think they are on every kind of level from like the philosophy that they have in their company to yeah. the way that they select materials to the way that they work with also with like agriculture and the food industry yeah. and kind of closing that loop between food and fashion. And, mm. uh, so they are absolutely inspirational. Another question that came to mind was when looking at it from textile perspective, mm-hmm. I think also when listeners or others that are not working with fashion, what are actually, what are good textiles to, mm. what are what are the better textiles to, mm. to, to buy and mm-hmm. what are the ones that may be not, not be so good? Because I think a lot of people think that maybe recycled polyester is something good and mm. then they read an article which says that mm. you should not wear pet bottles, recyclables, yeah. because they may not be recyclable again. Yeah, it's a super difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> that is often the question that we get, like, what is better, this or this? But there are so many parameters that yeah. play in. For example, co- cotton, organic or not, takes a lot, a lot of water, which yeah. polyester does not. So it's mm. always that that where you need to decide, like, what, what matters to me, but in... Yeah. What I would say, which is like number one is, is, and the most direct way to cut waste, cut environmental impact is just use what you have and use it for long. Mm. And like, we can't buy our way to sustainability. If I buy, like, even if they're sustainable garments or not, if I'm not going to use them, it's not a good buy. It's not a good use of that textile. Yeah. So it's, I think. What lasts longest. Yeah. It's all about prolonging the use of the garments. But then, it, for, for, to be concrete on your question, of course, certifications can support a lot in that, in choosing the, textiles. The land of certifications is also quite... Yeah, it's quite challenging quite and challenging. complex. But there are, like, got certified, like, yeah. if you want organic cotton, for example, it's, of course, always a better choice than mm. conventional cotton. Uh, GRS is the global recycle standard for, for synthetics, for polyester. Uh, so there are certification to look for as well when choosing textiles and then there are uh, like fibers that are managed in a better way in a closed loop system like we have lensing mm. for tensile for example for the listeners what what is tensile material um, yeah it's a, it's a cellulose it's a cellulose so it's com- it comes from comes from wood yeah pulp. it's a wood pulp yeah, yeah. and uh, it's also biodegradable right uh, it, this is also like challenge or challenging, but this is a concept to really 
truly have a second thought about because it's a lot a lot that is marked as biodegradable is is not compostable in your own home garden so it's maybe industrially biodegradable okay so it's just something to be careful of when mm. brands are communicating biodegradability that that doesn't necessarily mean that I can plant it in my own garden, but maybe that an industrial biodegradation partner can take it and yeah. and use like still a process of heat and and what is it. and you're not a textile engineer, but do you say recycle polyester? Is that something that you consult brands to use? Yeah, we, yeah. We what we do is that we we have recycled polyester, but we're looking into into um into how recyclable this polyester is. So mm-hmm. not only if it's recycled, but if it's recyclable in the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, like recycled polyester is of course reusing a fiber that has once been used for something, normally pet bottles then. Mm. So it's still reusing a material, but if it's not recyclable in the future again, maybe it is not the most promising, but it's, yeah, because then you just it's a prolong. Use to it. It's just a second use, but then maybe something that is either yeah biodegradable or something that you can recycle longer. Is yeah, like with in terms of recycling, we're looking into fibers that can be chemically recyclable, which means that or there are two levels of recycling of textiles. Mm. So either you can do it mechanically, where you shred it and you mm. cut it down to bits and pieces. And then either you either it is used in somehow like a downcycling method where you put it in insulation and stuff like that in cars for example yeah. or cleaning cloths mm. or you can add virgin fibers to it and get the quality up to right. where you can still use it for clothing like this is the case with a lot of them a lot of the recycled cotton on the market yeah. that is maybe six percent recycled cotton and forty percent mm. virgin cotton and it has a little bit of a different hand feel. Because the quality always decreases after every recycling. Yes, with with those kind of fibers that are staple fibers. Okay. So like cotton, for example, that has like certain length, and every time you shred it, that length gets shorter and shorter. Okay. Because same that, way, yeah. I wanted to ask you something because I I uh, I wrote my thesis about textile mm-hmm. waste in the fashion industry, yeah. and then I looked at Patagonia and compared it to smaller brand like Philippa K. Mm-hmm. And an even smaller brand in Germany, and I noticed that Patagonia was the only uh, company that could uh, recycle polyester indefinitely, mm-hmm. and they did so by collaborating with a Japanese producer. Okay, yeah. Um, and then when I reached out to them, to the other company, they said that they do not have the resource or infrastructure to do to recycle to, like they. Yeah. So there has there seemed to be some kind of also yeah. difficulties of. Maybe the big players yeah. can recycle with good or method, better methods, uh, where the smaller brands may. Yeah, I guess this is like tapping into the other way of uh, recycling in a chemical way. Yeah. Which I guess that is what they did, and chemical recycling is the pro is a process where the fiber gets like one to one recycled. So right. so essentially, like you melt it down, you use some kind of chemical process, and you mm. get a new fiber out of it. So this can be done for cotton and cellulosic materials well, as have you, well. Have you seen that there are only bigger, there are only a few recyclers that can do this? Yeah, there are there are a few, but there are quite quite many, but many of them are on lab scale still. So they have a hard, or not a hard time, but many of them are at lab scale and are looking to 
to expand now commercially. So like one interesting one that you can look into is Renusa in Sweden. Right. That take back cotton and they make mm. it into, they do a chemical process of making it into like a cellulose-like um, wood pulp afterwards. Okay. It became very technical here, so. but I yeah. think it's totally fine. <laughs> um, we, uh, what, uh, one thing we talked about a little bit before is how should we measure growth in a company? Mm. And um, when researching, I found that a lot of people are speaking about other, other sort of other methods of measuring growth, not only from a standpoint of profit, mm-hmm. but also if it has a social value. Yeah. Do you find what do you what do you find are are the new methods of measuring growth? Are they are the old ones outdated? I mean, in terms of. Yeah, I. Us being a consultancy, we don't pr- like produce clothing ourselves. So yeah. we don't measure like if our own KPIs are not related to number of pieces sold or number of pieces produced, for example. Exactly. Yeah. But for a fashion brand, I think definitely using other kind of KPIs that measure the success of a company. So mm. so using indicators on how much of the materials are from sustainable sources, for example. Um, measuring how much of the designs are designed in a circular way. So there yeah, are definitely, like how many materials are certif- certified. It has to be a more of a sort of a framework of what makes a brand certified in a sustainable way because when speaking about sustainability mm. this is a, also a trendy word that is yeah. used and also circularity, sustainability and in one way when something is very new a lot of people can use it in their marketing. Um, mm. Do you find that maybe there's a misuse of this word and does there have to be some kind of more of a regulation or yeah, certification I th- around it? I think there's definitely like a bus in that world. Also like yeah. recycle your clothing for example as a statement because... No one even knows what it means. No <laughs> and, and today we know that 1% of clothing is actually recycled into new clothing. Yeah, it's just So it's like a tiny tiny number with yeah. this massive buzzword out there so I don't know if it's the right thing to regulate around it, to reinforce brands, to comply with certain ways. Of but that's, there has to be a way for kind of to earn, but, you know, like you yeah. said, with a GOT certificate or something. Yeah, I think th- there are some certifications on companies. Like in the US, it's bigger than in Europe, but like certifi- mm. certified B Corps, for example, which Patagonia is. Right. Um, but I. There are many ways within a supply chain, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can certify different parts with yeah. like Fairware Foundation. So there, there's also this massive jungle of certifications. So yeah. maybe... Maybe something a bit more... Yeah, it would be cool if companies could comply with some kind of like standard. Like like we need some standard that hmm. that is worldwide used. But yeah. I also think it comes... Uh, it, comes down to a lot of also education on consumer level, like looking beyond the first branding you see and like figuring out, okay, it's recycled, but what is it actually? Okay, it's pet bottles, what does that mean? Hmm. So I think a lot of brands do very well in, in communicating their efforts beyond yeah. that first statement of sustainability. That's really, yeah, do you have any 
Uh, do you have any other brands, maybe like locally and so? Yeah, locally, like over they are from Spain, but they are very active in Berlin. But EcoAlp, for example, mm-hmm. that are also really pushing this agenda of there's no Planet B. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen those yeah. ads around. Yeah, I think they are cool. Um, yeah, and they have a way of educating. Yeah, exactly. They work more. a lot on education, and like they have a lot of information on. On the materials that are used and the origins mm. of the clothing and so on. Okay, very interesting. Well, as a sort of a last question, mm-hmm. what what is your what is your vision? How the fashion industry looks like in the future? Mm-hmm. What do you? How do you think it will look like? And what is your vision? How it will how it will go? How it will look in <laughs> maybe ten years from now? In ten years, in ten years, um, what what I'm hoping is that we are seeing an industry where clothing is not only sold. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's where we're refining other ways of creating value. So it's not fully or it's not solely dependent on selling new pieces of clothing mm. as the only way of creating growth, but yeah. rather finding new ways of doing that. And there I think circularity plays a big, big role in finding those different routes of how to do fashion. I would Mm. love if we can see fashion as more of a, instead of just being a physical product, but something that has value into it, something that Mm. you maybe, maybe you were part of the design or you had a voice in the color of it, or you can Mm. change the style of it over time. So instead of seeing it as a physical hardware product, more as a software or... As a service. yeah, Yeah, as a service. And... And kind of like an iPhone, like you have the shell of it, but you decide it yourself, like what's in it, like it's mine. So you feel more mm. ownership of it and there's more value into it. And then I, and then of course I wish for a more transparent supply chain Yeah. in general, so that the, all the actors that are, are working in the fashion industry get, get value for their work as well. And so that it's clear that the cotton is grown here and this means A and B in terms of chemicals and this is this the recycler knows I want like so every actor transparency mm-hmm. t- transparently holds the information they need to manage this product in the most sustainable way yeah that's super good good and long answer <laughs> definitely <laughs> yes. will make people think I think yeah um, and where do you think you will be uh, in Berlin in the future? In 10 years. Do you like it here? In the? I do, I do. I don't know if I'll be here in 10 years, but... It's a long time to think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll still be at the company. No, I think... I feel very at home in Berlin. It's a good... Yeah. It's a good city. It's a good city. It's yeah. a good city and it's very interesting in this... In the field of sustainability and fashion. Because there are many, many actors here that are working on different parts of the chain. Do you find Berlin especially sort of in more innovative in terms of sustainable fashion in comparison to other European cities or wherever you've been around yeah. the world? I don't know. Maybe this is like being, because I've only been here, but I, f- I find it more loud maybe that it's really visible, mm. the sustainability scene here. Yeah. And people are very friendly as well. Like it's very, it's a very collaborative industry. Yeah. Uh, a lot of events, a lot of happenings, a lot of like textile stuntish yeah. round tables. <laughs> Very cool. So I think it's loud, but I think there's innovation happening in many, many cities. 
many countries. Yeah, very super nice. Well, thank you very much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, and uh, I will see you uh, in the future, hopefully. Cool. Yeah. Around. Thank you for being a part. <laughs> thank you. If you want to read more about the podcast, you can find more info on mesonmats.com slash circularthinkingpodcast and you can follow us on Instagram at mesonmats. All the links can be found in the description. Please let me know what you think, subscribe and leave a review and thank you so much for listening.